deep shot. He's got the touchdown. And Mahomes at bay. The Tampa Bay Bucks, Super Bowl 55. Hello and welcome back to the Bucks Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Hallboom. I am joined by an, an assortment of regulars here this evening. We've got Scott Capron at Captain Ron on Twitter. We've got Bodan Yard at Bono's Ball. And we've got our most regular recent visitor who we're super <laughs> pleased to welcome back to the show. He can't get enough of us and we can't get enough of his X's and O's. Uh, that is Josh Quapo of Pewter Report. Great to have you all with us, gentlemen. And uh, it is Wednesday evening, but it feels more like a Monday for me. Um, and before we get started, though, I got to just send out our thoughts and our prayers to all those who are going to be affected or are, have already been affected by Hurricane Ian. Um, I know Fort Myers, Florida, has already been hit pretty hard along with other areas there. So, and that there's going to be a lot of people beyond Florida as well who will be affected. So, thinking of everyone, stay safe please. And uh, yeah, just wanted to get that out of the way before we get uh, talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. For sure. I feel like there's one more thing we need to get out of the way before we start talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers too. Our Hunter, uh, Josh, yes, thank you. Yeah. I mean, our our loyal host, our fearless leader got married over the weekend. And uh, I mean, what a time. It, yes, absolutely. Bowden, one of the groomsmen. I was I was lucky to be at table nine, arguably the best table in the whole place. Uh, Big time. Inarguable, if you ask me, to be honest. But uh, seriously, sat, what a wet. I, I sat Scott with Simeon Rice at table nine. Yeah. <laughs> he put Scott at I the wish. top of the route tree. That's right. Yeah. Only, where to, only place to be, Josh. Um, but seriously, boom. I mean, a formal congratulations on the pod. And uh, wow, what a day, dude. Yeah, that Thanks, was buddy. quite the day. Bo flew in. Thanks, boys. I appreciate that. Bo flew in from uh, from out west, Western Canada. Not a short flight. Yeah. Um, Worth and, every minute. And he brought the heat, man. He came ready to play, which was a great <laughs> tribute. And uh, Bo flew back for, for, the, for my bachelor party like less than a month ago as well. So major yeah. shout out to him. Scott Scott made the drive too, so that was appreciated. Yeah, that's true. I, I made I made that fifteen minute trip like track no problem at all, no complaints, <laughs> hydrated. You know how it goes. Um, yeah, Bo also had what a nine month old on his flight or with him, so it, yeah, even more points. That was fun, but <laughs> it was a good day. Not many people thought I could keep the sports references during my speech as as low as I did. Are you guys give me some credit for that? What was like? NBA, maybe one NBA, one NFL reference in my speech. I yeah. Mean, my, my favorite one, Josh, uh, one of our buddies, one of Colin's groomsmen, a uh, bit of a gamer. Uh, he might actually log into the comments. And Colin said um, he spends more time in front of a screen than John Stockton, which, I mean, I definitely gave the biggest laugh, Colin, like an embarrassingly loud laugh. Like, it was good. You know what Thank I mean? You. I gave it like a A plus out, like, like honk laugh but uh it was really yeah. good so, that was so did you go full cliches like i'm just trying to take this one marriage at a time kate would have rolled with that I'm yeah sure. she's good yeah yeah so my wife is very much like that so when we got married this was many 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 years ago um the priest is literally going through the vows and i just start like i cannot hold the, the laughter in because i was thinking of something 
So finally, my wife, Jamie, she goes, uh, what? And I just look at her and I go, you're going to make a great first wife. <laughs> and she, this is literally at the altar, right? Oh, so she, she starts losing it. The priest is trying to hold his composure. Oh and God. that is why she is so amazing. So. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's great stuff. Seriously. That's great material. Um, all right. Well, great opener. We got a little personal and there's nothing wrong with that. We do got to talk about the battle of the bays that went down between Green Bay and Tampa Bay. And I'm going to be fully honest. I mean, again, this was within, I don't know, 40 <laughs> hours of my wedding. So I wasn't able to focus as much as I normally do. There were no notes taken on my part. I enjoyed it as a fan. I, I took the week off of Bucks game day. Uh, there was no writing coming from me. We didn't podcast last week. So it was kind of fun for me. I just like crushed a bunch of beers and watched the game with my cousin, John. Um, lost some money on my Devin White over tackles bet, but hey, that's okay. I gotta say, so the Bucks, the Bucks, you know, they suffered a fourteen to twelve defeat, as everyone knows. In their what was their home opener? As, as I said, Battle of the Bays. Um, but it was a sloppy slugfest, which I I thought was starting to work in their favor, and they had a chance, you know, to tie it up at the end. Didn't quite work out that way, but it's it's an interesting narrative compared to last year, not just for the Bucks, but for the Packers as well with these like prolific offenses from a season ago, um, both without some stars from last year. The Buccaneers, thankfully, will be getting those guys back. Um, the Packers will not. And two solid defenses. I mean, I don't know where you guys want to start in terms of this game. All I know, all I got to say is the offensive struggles have continued for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But one thing I want, I do want to mention is the way that the, the fact that the Bucs almost won this game with how anemic they were offensively, to me, honestly, inspires a little bit of confidence in this season and, and in, in what they're going to have to deal with in the NFC because I think the offense is going to get plenty better. Um, and, Josh, you did a lot. Of, you did some really good stuff breaking down some of the play calling. The injuries are a concern. I want you guys to, to talk about, and whoever wants to jump in first, Ken, about why the Buccaneers' offense is struggling so much and if it's going to change. Well, I think, you know, Sean King really had some troubles and A-Train just couldn't get it going. And, uh, oh, wait, no, we're not talking about the 2002 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? Seems like that's what, what it is, though. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good stuff, Josh. That's yeah. true. I, you know, I, for me, it starts with, uh, and I know that there are some people I very much respect, uh, uh, Paul Atwal being one of them. Um, I, for me, it was left, which is play calling. You know, you're, you're going to call nine runs on first down to nine passes and the nine runs averaged, I think, something like two yards a carry and the nine passes were generating, including a 13 yard DPI. It was like 93 yards on 10 plays overall. Mm. You can't have that kind of balance because balance for balance's sake they weren't balanced yeah. because eventually they had to just throw the damn ball. Yeah. So then you have 15 carries to 45 dropbacks and where's the balance in that? So yeah. Um, well, the, the running on first down is just proven to be more efficient. And I think it just opens everything up. I know that they were without a lot of, a lot of their receivers and I understand that, but even, you know, I, I feel like it, it, um, it also was shown off in the Monday nighter in the second half. I feel like they really tried started to let Cooper rush, throw the ball on first down. It makes it easier. Get some open throws, get some yeah. easy throws. Don't be. And I know this is such a cliche, but like, don't get behind the chains, which is what the Tampa offense was the entire day. It felt like you have Tom Brady, 
like make it as easy as possible. Let him make a decision. I always find it bizarre when not only you have a great quarterback, well, if the, the best quarterback, but like a former quarterback as your play caller and they're running the ball that frequently on first yeah. down. And I get it. There's like, there's some merit to it, blah, blah, blah. It's just not as, as efficient. And it clearly <clears throat> wasn't working early on. The line is decimated. I just, I, I don't know if they decided early and like that it's just going to be a slog fest and we're not going to score. So let's see if we can not turn the ball over or what, like whatever. But it was a, it was really tough to watch. And Josh nailed it. The, yeah, you're trying to get this balance. Why? You're trying to get first downs. That's what the goal is. And you don't need to take three downs to do it every time. I, I just, uh, and that's also what Josh said. And I, he saw on Twitter, he said it on Twitter as well. You know, play callers can get hot and play callers can have bad games. Left which one yeah. had a bad game here, right? It, you know what I mean? And, and it's funny to kind of look at it from that lens, almost as a player, like kind of relate to him that way. But man, that with Green Bay did everything to let them in the game. And of course, of course they go down and score and have a chance to tie it. Right. Like, of course it's, how do you ever beat Tom Brady by more than, by more than one score. Right. But I just, I couldn't get over the, the bashing their heads into a wall on first down. Oh, sorry. I, I no, really no, you're good. You're yeah. good. The, the thing that concerns me and that like, I think is just going to be the question throughout this season is like, can you keep Tom Brady clean? And, like, is he going to have time to make these? Like, if you clean up the pa- the play calling, is he going to have time back there? And I just, as much as I, I think we, we like, call and actually send it to the group chat today, Brandon Thorne's talking about the right side of lines playing so well. I still don't feel like he's getting a ton of time because that left side is just evaporating. And I know yeah. Donovan Smith is going to come back at some point. Um, we don't know when that will be, but, like, I don't know. That I'm just I'm so concerned about that side of the line from center to left tackle. So I mean I would say Hainsey overall over the course of the th- first three games, he's he's played about average, right? But yeah. there's high variance to it. Exactly. And that that's the big difference between him and, and what you had last year is last year, even Alex Kappa, you know, was was I would say slightly above average. But it was very low variance. You knew what you were getting from week to week. Hainsey, from rep to rep or game to game, you can see some stuff that's amazing. Yeah. And then you just see something that's like, what are you doing? Right. It's just absolute drive killers, right? Right. Gedeke oh. has been terrible. Like, yeah. and I was a big Gedeke guy, right? I, I was championing for him to to win that starting left guard spot, and 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 unfortunately, the the learning curve has been way too high. He has faced outside of Dallas, like just. It's funny because defensive tackle or interior defensive line across the NFL is kind of down and it has been for a few years, hmm. but it just seems like the Bucks have faced like a string yeah. of the best, right? The Packers started, are just so good. There, yeah, you yeah. got Kenny Clark uh, the week before that with the Saints. You got Onyemata two weeks before that. Yeah. You had, um, yeah, I know it was preseason, but still Grover Stewart just threw him around like a ragdoll. And it's just yeah. like the Bucks, just luck of the draw. They're happening. They happen to get like some of them the premier inside defensive guys in the, in the league back to back to back squished in between, you know, just not a good Dallas interior. Um, But for me with Leftwich, you know, the, the pockets were clean on some of those deep shots. Like they were giving Brady the the time. And that's because almost all those deep shots were off play action. Yeah. And and it slowed down the defensive uh, pass rush and it gave him the time that he needed. 
Um, but but my issues with left which go even beyond just the the run to pass. Like um, I, I was absolutely like um, Michael Pless and, and Real Bucks talk. They talked about how that that double reverse, how that oh was actually God. it was blocked up. I don't yeah. care. Those two yeah. guys, and to use those two guys. So Perriman, who had a fumble earlier in the game. Scotty, who's clearly just not confident in his own game, to call something like that when Brady had just gotten into a rhythm was beyond me. Mm, All right. Yeah. Uh, and then just some of the stuff like throughout the game, even the pass plays that they were calling, you know, Lenny is not a guy who can get to speed quick. So stop throwing him screens, yeah. stop throwing him flats where he's literally at a stop when he gets the ball. And then you're mm. asking him to try and get upfield. He's just yeah. not doing it. No. Big so, target too. Yeah, like like yeah. Instant, like a big stationary target. He's easy. He's not easy to take down, but he's easy for the first guy to get to, right? It, like, and at the very least, slow him down. But he's yeah. not making guys miss, and he's not getting upfield. So, yeah. I, yeah, I'm just not a big fan of these flats, these screen stuff. If you're going to get the ball short, that's fine. Make sure the guy's out of his break before he gets the ball. Yeah. So you know, uh, shorter outs, digs, stuff like that, where they can get the ball while they're already moving. That's where the Bucks need to go with their short game. You saw it with Beasley; he got a few that way. Gage got a few that way, and they made some stuff happen. Mm. So we, we're we're all in agreement then that I think that the the play, and Josh, you had a great Twitter thread, kind of breaking it down a little more specifically yeah. some of, some of the things you hated um, about the play calling and Leftwich is. Uh, Rain as the offensive play caller for the Bucks, like you know, they've won a Super Bowl, so I think people are quick to forget. But there's been plenty of ups and downs, and and you talked about the lack of consistency in some of these young starting O linemen, mainly Hainsy, um, and I guess Gadecki's been consistently bad. But um, <laughs> Leftwich has been very inconsistent himself, and 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 kind of hard to pin down a philosophy. And I wonder how much of his play calling philosophy is a trickle down from the head coach. And I'm curious. Uh, Josh, in particular, if you think, like, like, because I'm I'm writing down a couple things, like, what's leading to like this peculiar sort of offensive play play calling play designs? Is it because of the injuries to the playmakers? Are they trying to kind of be a little more run heavy simply to protect some of these young O linemen? They think they're more better equipped to to perform as you know paving the way in the run game, or could it just be the philosophy of of the head coach Todd Bowles isn't something we're talking about enough in terms of what he wants to see from his offense. Like, could that be part of it too? I think it's hard to say because so many injuries have affected yeah. the team. Um, one thing that is definitely for sure is they're running a lot more 12 personnel this year. I want to yeah. say they're running out of, they're, they're in 12 personnel, something like 43% of the time. I, don't quote me on that number. I'd have to, to um, research it again, but it's a significant increase from last year. Now, the question is you get, Evans is back this week from his suspension. Um, Bowles said that Julio could have gone last week, but they were trying to play the long game on him. So you'd figure he's probably going to go this week. Godwin was a limited participant in practice today. So what happens when you have these guys back, all of them, do we see them go back to 11 or do they stick with kind of a 12 approach? And I think at that point, when you have all those guys back, then you can kind of say, all right, this is a philosophical change from one leadership group to another, specifically going from Arians to Todd Bowles. Yeah. And, and like, look, just listen to those three guys that you named, right? Like it's Mike Evans, Chris Godwins, and what appeared to be a rejuvenated Julio from that, oh, yeah. from that Dallas game. Right. So like 
obviously that that was an ugly game against Green Bay. You want to beat them. You want to beat a good team. You want to beat. You want to win your home opener. All that. But it was, it's with a gigantic grain of salt that those three re- receivers didn't play. If they can, if they continue to be this conservative on first down with those playmakers, uh, you know, once Godwin's really, really back there and everyone's full go, then we really have cause for concern because, you know, what on earth would Leftwich be doing at that time? But there is, I think, I don't actually even believe this, but I guess there's some defense to what he did on Sunday, given who he had on the outside. Um, yeah. And, you know, they did almost win the game. I mean, I, they were lucky to be in it. With the, if Aaron Jones doesn't fumble, I think the game's over, obviously, right? But um, let's whoa, see what whoa, happens. Whoa, 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 whoa. He didn't just fumble, dude. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to that. <laughs> yeah. He got fumbled. Yeah, he got <laughs> Okay. If he scores, then. What I, if he scored. I know. Yeah. Well, you got to remember, though, the Bucks also had two fumbles of their own that they lost. And it both sure. on drives where they were moving the ball. So, for sure. you know, I, I get what you're saying there. But, like, the Bucks' offense did move the ball. That's the thing. Despite yeah. some questionable yeah. play calls, like, let's go ahead and run it on second and 20 or first and 20, I think it was, and yeah. stuff like that. They still were able to move it, but they moved it through the air. The running game got nothing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Do you, any, any you guys enough. think like did, you guys saw the clip of Brady's finger, right? Like that's his ring finger on his throwing hand and it yeah. looked huge. And I'm like, that's got to affect you a little bit as a passer. And I know Brady still dropped plenty of dimes, but I mean, another week for him, hopefully it's healing up and like getting those guys back. I mean, the Bucks are still two and one, um, you know, so I'm just, I, you know, we're sitting here kind of harping on, on what's going on with the Bucks. They're still two and one and their defense looks so damn good, but, yeah, but you can, they're a Super Bowl contender, man. You're allowed to harp on them. This isn't yeah. the Raiders, right? Like, I, I'm not trying to be – I don't mean – I know you're just being pos- You're being positive and you're not even wrong. But, like, they won't do anything if, it, if they look like that offensively. Oh, I think no. what Scott's trying to say is process over results. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not like trying to like like I I've literally scripted this portion of the show to talk about all these things they're doing wrong, boys. Like I'm not like no. denying it here. No, but, but like I just would have liked to talk a little bit more about Vita Vea at 347 pounds <laughs> and coverage and making a play over the middle. Like he looked like prime that's, Jamal Adams there. That's totally fair. I just mean we can them. be cri- we can be critical. We can be critical, and I think that's and they you know they've earned the benefit of the doubt they're one of the they they're theoretically one of the best teams in the league but it's also the you know it's the team i now watch the closest and like if i have to watch them have six points in the first three and a half hours of a sunday afternoon i'm going to kill myself so (laughs) like it's been tough between that and the new orleans game yeah i mean they're averaging they're averaging 17 a game compared to just a shade under 30 last year right so it's obviously you know we all know that sorry bo go ahead well, is there like ever a snap where you guys are like, "Oh, Scotty Miller's out there. This should be good." Is there like, like honestly, at this point, even Cole Beasley, I was like, "Oh, that's a way better option." Yeah. When, when he when Cole Beasley caught that pass, I was like, "Oh, that's nice." Like someone, <laughs> yeah, caught, the, someone caught the fucking <laughs> ball. The, the little white guy. The little white guy caught it. What the hell's going on? Yeah, we're Beasley. not used to seeing that. Yeah. yeah, I think like between that and Brashad Perriman, I was just like. Why is this guy on the team? Like, mm. what are we doing here? And I, yeah. I, I just can't imagine that he's going to get any snaps when even 
when Mike Evans is back, it's like, why is Scotty Miller going to be out there? I think I think Josh hit on it. Like Scott, he looks like he just he's got the yips out there or something, man. Zero confidence. Yeah, I think part of it's also like he's being forced into a role that he, he's it, it's not for him. Not I mean, him. They're 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 lining him up as the X on basically Brady's backside a ton, and so then you've got you know he should be on the concept side, right where. Like if you're running a three by one, he should be on the three side. Right now they're lining him up on the one because theoretically, if he can get off the jam and he can get deep and they're playing like a single eye safety, that's a matchup you want because his speed, you might be able to hit him deep on a post or on a nine route or something like that. Um, but he's getting bodied at the line of scrimmage. And then when they try and have him run some of these other routes that Evans runs, like a deep comeback or a curl, he just, he can't stand up to these bigger more physical corners you saw it on one play where he actually caught the ball really well but rasul douglas basically just i mean caught him in the air held him like a little baby and then <laughs> threw him down like a bag of groceries right yeah. and he it's just not what he's there for uh or not what he does well but then i remember a little bit later in the game um they had him on the concept side and he he cleared out for cam Brait on that sale concept. I'm not sure if you guys remember when Brate ran that deep out route and, oh, yeah, and Brady yeah, yeah. hit him on the whole shot against yeah, cover two. Bit, yeah. That was Scotty was clearing out the safety on a deep post. And that's what he does really well. So it, it's about the injuries have forced guys into roles that they're not suited for. And Scotty has been the biggest victim of that. Um, so when you get Evans back, you, there is a role for Scotty that he can play fairly well at the same time, he has got to hold on to the ball better like that. Yeah. That, And I've been I just, the biggest I just don't Scotty trust, I just apologist. don't trust him at this point is basically yeah. what I'm at. It's just like between Brashad Perriman, Cole Beasley, even Jalen Darden, I'm just like, yeah. what does Darden's, he do that's better than those three? Well, Darden, he, he, every time he's been out there, he's been pretty good other than yeah. when he forgot that he was supposed to be uh, coming across the, the formation for the pop pass and Brady and Lenny both had to yell at him, dude, get in motion. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sure. I'm just, I'm just, I just have PTSD here. Cause you said Scotty and clear out. So it reminds me of playing basketball with Colin, you know, just, <laughs> Hey, you get the fuck out of here. Please give me room. So hey, you, but yeah. Yeah. Probably. Hey, we all, we all want to win, right? Like you gotta, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you don't hear me complain. I'm, I'm decoy. I'm decoy. Yeah. Hey, and and you know what gave me PTSD was hearing the two these two words put together, Cam and Brait. I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm sick of it. I've seen enough yeah. of Cam Brait. It's been nine years or something. Okay, I know he <laughs> went to Harvard. That's cool. I know he yeah. has good hands. I know he knows the offense. That's cool too. In theory, I am done, man. Cam Cam Brait's giving nothing to this team as a receiver. Josh, you you talked about how much you were not in favor of of. Uh, Rudolph, the red zone right tight end or whatever we call Kyle Rudolph. Um, but I would be willing to give him a shot. Cam Brake gives us nothing. He, and I've said it before. He can't block a beach ball from rolling into the Gulf of Mexico. He can't catch a football. Like, he doesn't get open. He's not athletic. I'm just – I'm so done with it, and I have to say it. I have to get that off my chest. I'm done with the Cam Braid experiment. And it's hilarious. To Harvard? We, yeah, yeah, right. Did Ryan Fitzpatrick go there too? Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, he did. Did really well in the Wonderlick. And, and Josh, you talking about the twelve, the the increase in twelve man personnel offensively? That's so funny. We lose one of the greatest, tight, the best tight end in franchise history, and we decide, all right, well, now we'll play two of them, 
And the, we're, all, yeah. we're, we're now, instead of negative one superstar tight end, we're kind of like negative two spots on the field, both at tight end. So, sorry, that's my rant. No, no, no. I, I completely, I agree with a lot of it. I still think Brait is better than Rudolph. I know Rudolph had the one corner route. He ran a good route. He caught the ball. Jair Alexander was actually in coverage on that one. Um, but I, I agree with a lot of what you said. And honestly, I'm hoping that as the, the superstars get back, that Cole Beasley is going to take snaps away from Cam Brait um, in terms of doing a lot of the things that Brait does on third and medium, third and long. So that is my hope and that um, – Kate Otten, once he's back from obviously a very tragic uh, personal matter, um, that he's going to start taking some snaps away from from Braid as well. And we just see less of both of those over 30 tight ends. What, when you say Beasley taking that spot, Josh, do you mean obviously not lining up on the end, but just as like a safety valve quick, like a quick route kind of guy, like when they have all the guys on the outside on third down? Yeah, the Bucks run kind of a hybrid F tight end, um, uh, Y Y wide receiver. So basically, that slot guy. And you see Brait a lot of times. He's not. He's not. His best role is not as an inline tight end, right, with his hand in the dirt. So you see him oftentimes as that F tight end, where he's standing up like a just like a big slot receiver. And I, yeah. but because he doesn't have vertical speed, he's not running routes like Godwin does out of the slot. So right. if you've just got a guy you're going to put in the slot and not line up on the line who can't block to begin with, and you just want a sure pair of hands, Beasley fills all of that. You can, mm-hmm. you can do all of that with Beasley. You're just going to do it with a much smaller, much, much smaller body. Um, and so that is my hope is that when you start seeing those, those um, concepts and those personnel groupings that Cam Brate's snap count is coming down, and you see that those snaps eaten up by Otten in line or Beasley when you get to third, medium, third, and long. Hmm. A little, a little peripheral positive angle here to take on the Beasley signing as well as I got. I'm hoping that he can teach a thing or or twelve to Jalen Darden about kind of being able to operate as a potentially like a sneaky little slippery slot receiver in there. Cause I think Darden needs, needs some tips on how to get open, how to read his own. Cause he's incredibly athletic and has all the tools. Like it would be interesting player to learn some tricks to trade from. Sure. I also think he has some theories on science. He could probably teach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> moving, moving on. <laughs> I it, as soon as Beasley was mentioned, I was like, I gotta get this in. <laughs> yeah, um, I, anyway. I want to like, you know, the scientifically proven TB12 mes- <laughs> method uh, clearly works, help, improves the body and the mind. They say, but today or yesterday, I can't confirm which day, but I listened to it today. Rick Stroud was on the Rich Eisen show, and he was talking a bit about the Brady situation and. He was pretty, like, outspoken and kind of saying, like, Brady is not himself. Clearly, he's dealing with family issues. His family was there. Giselle was in, in Tampa. He insinuated that. He didn't outright say it. Um, and he was just like, I haven't seen Tom Brady smile in a long time. And I'm just curious, like, it's hard from our vantage point, but do you think any of these struggles could potentially have anything to do with, you know, the rumored – drama or whatever's going on behind the scenes with Tom Brady and have, have any of you guys noticed him being a little more irritable or anything like that like is, is, is Rick Stroud saying something there or saying nothing on a on a main stage 
I think it's impossible for it not to affect him. Yeah. Right? Like, he's still technically a human. I mean, there parts of him are human, right? Like, probably over 50%, right? So, I don't, it was like, if true where there's smoke, there's fire, I think. I like, not that there's any good time to have like a, a marital issue, but obviously, this all comes right before the season. It's very public. People are asking him. He doesn't look good. He looks like he, he, he doesn't look like himself from what I can see, just like, obviously as a complete outsider, but I don't think, I, I think it'd be weird if it didn't affect him. And yeah, I, I think he's looked all things considered. I think he's looked okay. Like we said, um, the play calling and the injuries have not helped him at all, but there's something going on there. I, I don't, I think that's undeniable. Yeah. It's tough to speculate, but I would say he's definitely more irritable at the start of games. I feel like there's at the start of it, especially the last two weeks, I feel like whenever there's a, even the first game of the season, I feel like when, Ever the offensive line does something that just like gets him sacked or gets him hit or like something goes wrong on a play, I you see him just like laying into someone. And mm-hmm. not to say he doesn't do that; he hadn't done that before. But I've noticed it at the start of games in particular, and he gets better as the game goes on. But yeah, there, there's obviously something going on, but it, it's tough to speculate that oh, it's because of so yeah. and so and such, you- such and such. But yeah, I'll take. And I'm not trying to turn approach. So you look at him when he's not with the media, who he clearly isn't a fan of and never really has been. Um, But you take a look like, like, you know, during the parts of practice that are allowed to be filmed and and pictures taken and whatnot, he's cracking up with the guys. I mean, there's video after video of him and Mike Evans having inside jokes and whatnot. He seems the same. Now, I would say you need to compare apples to apples. Right. So we're going to say he doesn't look as happy. Well, he's scoring like three points per game. Sure. I I guarantee you as somebody who's a a perfectionist, he's not happy. So, all right, let's compare how he looks in these first few games to the New Orleans game last year when they scored, you know, when they was nine to three, I think it was. I I guarantee you his demeanor is about the same. So when you when you stabilize for the situation sure he's the same old brady the thing is this the portion of the situation that's unfavorable is increased therefore his demeanor is unfavorable yeah good football cures all that's definitely yeah that's definitely true yeah and i think i think any of us especially uh hothead Scotty Capron there down in the bottom uh, left of the screen would be freaking out too. If you're dealing with not just like a depleted receiving core, but also the young offensive linemen, right? The combination of those two factors got to make life so difficult on him. Not just what we see and guys not being open or him not having time, but I'm sure in that huddle and, and on the sidelines, he's having to explain a lot more than he wants to have to explain to guys as opposed to just getting his own psyche in the right place and just dealing strictly with one player. So just another thought there i i do want to sorry that's sorry that's fair but like okay tom you've been in the league for 82 years you've seen every situation like you might have to roll with this offensive line situation for a little bit you know what i mean that's why i would you know just push back and say i feel like there's even more going on personally but i get it i'm not saying that it's easy but it is it is what the like the hand that's been dealt right now right so yeah like josh said the, the world isn't coming to an end. They're two and one. They're still one of the best teams in the league. At, at But like, hey, let's just, you know, let's see what we can do here. Yeah. And I, and I like I don't think that he is doing that either, though. Like, I think, you know, we're because we're all talking about it. Um, yeah. 
So I think that's just kind of what's being talked about. Rick Stroud mentioned it, so I thought I would bring it up. But like, I, I, Tom Brady's always been yelling at his old lineman. I like that. It shows he still yeah. has, the, has the fire in him. You know, like there's nothing wrong with yeah, that to me. Um, he was he was yelling at Ryan Jensen. Remember that that Chicago game like last year? He's all on Ryan Jensen's business. Or so or was that two years ago? Anyway, but Colin, think about just I mean similar um, athletic ability and just co- competition levels is when we go and play golf. And we get the text from one of like we each get a text from our wives saying, "Have fun, you know, don't rush home." How much freer are we swinging that day? Bud? <laughs> it's a lot different than when the clock's ticking as soon as we leave the house, right? Just really, just throwing, a, throwing that out there. Really strong comparison. I think, <laughs> that, that, that feeling speaks to me. It's a whole nother ball game. Um, now, before Who's we start, yeah, before we tee up. Yep, this weekend's massive matchup and like, you know, the next leg in this gauntlet for the Buccaneers in this early part of the schedule, um, their matchup with the Kansas City Chiefs. I do want to just kind of check in on the defense because, you know, a little bit of doom and gloom talking about that offense. But my God, could it it couldn't be more of an opposite situation here for what the Buccaneers defense is doing, Um, holding teams to a minimal amount of points. The secondary is playing lights out. Josh, what is what is the most positive aspect? Is it the secondary? Is it the play of someone in particular? Is it the scheme, the execution? I want your take on why this defensive group looks so special through the first three weeks of this season. Uh, it, it's there's no one thing; it's all of it, right? So um, we'll start with the scheme. So Todd Bowles, I mean, the, he's really leaned into this too high look. Um, you're seeing a ton of cover two, cover four, cover six. Uh, I want to say, and so he's scaled down like the the man coverage. They're running cover one 12% of the time year to, uh, for the season so far. They're running cover three about 36%. But then when you look at like two, four, six, the, those three combined for almost half the snaps. And that's a big change from last year and years past. So the scheme has changed. And I think a lot of it goes to he's got a defensive backfield that he really, really trusts to execute those assignments. Um, so that's huge. And they're balling out. I mean, Winfield is, he's a top five safety in the NFL. Oh God, right now. Yeah. I mean, the, the play at the, in the slot is phenomenal. But even like when they go to base sets, when they've got a five-man front and he's in the backfield again, he's making plays back there. Um, Logan Ryan, I think, is creating a huge boon for them in terms of communication. Mike Edwards is playing like his hair is on fire. He had a rough start to the Green Bay game with some. Yeah. Go ahead. Gosh, that's kind of messed up, bro, because it kind of looks like his hair is on fire. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was going to say, his hair might actually be yeah. on fire. Yeah. Like that was really clever. I, I wish I could take credit and say it was on purpose. It definitely wasn't. Um, but like he had, he he had a rough start to the Green Bay game in terms of a couple missed tackles, a couple of overrun gaps. But then he locked in and he was running the box like he was Jordan Whitehead. I mean, thirteen tackles. He was everywhere. And then of course the play on the outside. Dean is locking dudes down. He's the best corner on the team right now. He's outplaying CD three, and that's no no uh, knock on CD three, right? So just. All of them are doing an amazing job. Levante looks like Levante again, maybe a step slower, but the processor's so good, you don't even really realize it. Um, Devin White had his worst game of the season, and it was not good. He had a bad game in Green Bay. Um, That first drive should not have been a touchdown for Green Bay. And if you remember the smoke route to Randall Cobb, and he did that little spin move, 
He got up field. I think it was for like 13 yards, and Devin White just overran the hell out of him, and mm. he allowed that, and, and that that's unfortunate. But with that said, he had two great games stacked in um, before that. I will readily give him that, and you hope to see more of the first two games going forward. And then this week was the best week for the defensive line, I think, since the season started. So you really saw kind of everything come together, especially in that second half. Green Bay couldn't do anything. And, I mean, they're playing against a good old line, too. As, if, if we're going to just stick with that D-line for a minute without Akeem Hicks, like, was there anyone in particular, or did, was it just a good group effort? Uh, Hall and JTS both showed big. I mean, it was a coming out party for Hall. Yeah, he 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 did a great job. I mean, he he flashed. So he's got a swim move that, that he really likes to do. But he did a couple of really gnarly swim to spins. And the, the second one is the one where he landed that sack to kind of end Green Bay's offensive day. His nifty agility for his size is is kind of yeah. sick and twisted. Like, if he could put it together, we're seeing flashes. By God, like... Like you know, you, you you get excited about that for sure. And then, did you think did you think uh, Tryon Shoyanka showed a little more? I know like he's not necessarily getting there yet, but I saw Brandon Thorne, for example, the the trench the trench goat as I call him. Yep. Um, he, he highlighted a play by JTS where where he put a phenomenal move on and and, and laid a smack. You probably remember the play, obviously, where he where he sent Rodgers to the turf. He got the throwaway, but still just another promising step. If he can start to play, because Shaq, Shaq Barrett's had a great start to the year. Um, yeah, it was um, it was an inside move. I think it was a, was it a club rip, I think. Um, and and sounds, that's sounds the, about right. Yeah, and that's the big thing with JTS. Last year, he's just trying to run around dudes. He was trying to use his speed. Um, and with that club rip and with another inside move that he pulled um, – uh, in the game, you're seeing him get more comfortable with setting up the outside and going to the inside, and that's going to be a huge, huge elevation of his game. One of my one of my groomsmen is also like masterful when it cl- comes to the club rip. Uh, his name's Sam. He's just yeah. awesome at it. Um, <laughs> I knew someone was. I knew someone was coming there with the club. Yeah, rip. I could have guessed that one. So Logan Ryan, though, he's making plays in super limited opportunity. I just like. Like you brought up his name, Josh. Like, man, he's making this guy's making plays. Like, that's yeah. exciting. Like, when when you have all these guys, you can't get them all on the field, but they're all performing. That's when you really get something special. So, I don't want to jinx it, but um, you know, secondary's looking great, as you said, man. What about yeah? Bowen I think those those are like the two spots. Like, both of the Logans were just like you weren't even counting on them hitting, right? Like, you, Logan Ryan hitting is huge. Logan Hall hitting is like that changes like the trajectory of this defense, honestly. So, um, yeah, good to see those guys. They were awesome. One thing I will say about the defense is Todd Bowles. I'll never question you again, man. The the dropping your lineman into coverage just mm. works, and you're just awesome at it. So that's that's all I gotta say. Yeah, let's just hold off on the zero blitzes. Yeah, yeah. At least, at least in the biggest moment of the year, let's. <laughs> the defense is the defense is awesome. It's so fun. I mean, I know we talk about the team every week, but it's just like how many guys this team has is is true. Like, what a team and what a roster when it's all when it's all put together, right? They're fun to watch on defense. Josh, are, I mean, Devin White doesn't know this, but he is actually the adopted son of the three of us. Are you as big a Devin White guy in general as because you know, he literally he takes up most of our lives just discussing him? Are like where are you on on White specifically? 
Oh, oh no, I've got a bit of a sordid history on him. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> second article I ever wrote was how I did. I did not think the Bucks should pick up his fifth year option. Mm. And uh, that day, he went on Twitter. I guess it, there was like the story got some good reads. Like we we did good traffic yeah. on it. Then all of a sudden, you see all this discourse on Twitter, and then you see Devin White go on Twitter and say like he wants to what was it he he quote tweeted a guy from the loose cannons podcast and basically said that he wants to feed a bunch of dicks to the people who uh are counting him out and i was like oh that's great you know so Wait, um, was this was this devin right devin what are you reading colin's uh wedding speech <laughs> because there's there's an eerily similar cross so i'm sorry i'm just kidding yeah uh wow that that's quite an aggressive that's quite an aggressive yeah, no, he, comment he, he came out uh he came out of the gate hard on that so and, and you know now with that said i'm not somebody who has to hold on to their priors and um so i was at training camp in tennessee when they did the joint practices with the titans he looked amazing he looked yeah. absolutely and in the one area where you really want to see him grow which is in coverage he looked phenomenal i mean there was one rep when they were running two minute drills down by the uh, the end zone, and I literally could hear him telling the back coming out of the backfield. He's like, "I'm gonna run the route for you," <laughs> and he did. Like, and so he looked great. Yeah. And then yeah. in first two weeks of the year, he looked good. And I think I was on this podcast saying, "I'm gonna start my apology tour." Like, <laughs> I, I don't feel the need to hold on to priors if there's new data to consider. I'll absolutely consider it. And two out of three games, he's looked like a completely different player in coverage. There are still some issues, right? He still has trouble stacking and shedding. He still has some trouble overrunning gaps. But if you're going to play lights out in coverage, I'll happily take a linebacker like that any day of the week, mm -hmm. especially with Vita Vea, Keem Hicks, uh, and Will Goldston up in front of you. It's yeah. not as necessary. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. He had a bad game. Yeah. And I'm willing to say, okay, he had a bad game, but that doesn't mean it's indicative of the performance to come. He's going to have to have a good game um, here against Kansas City because obviously Kelsey – is coming to town and you're going to need no some kidding. healthy linebackers. Yeah. That's what, what I want to talk so? about. Yeah. That's what I want to talk about, man, is like, we're, we're, you know, chiefs are two and one, um, still getting used to kind of their new assortment of weapons. Uh, they still have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. And we, you know, we just finished talking about this Buccaneers defense and how dynamic they look. I mean, I'm ex really excited to watch those two units clash and, uh, to see how they did match you guys up. watch that game? Did Colin or Bo or Josh? Did you guys watch much of the 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 Chiefs Colts game? I I caught. I watch Dude, I caught quite a bit of it, but so, not not like I wasn't. It wasn't my main game. It isn't being discussed as much as the Buffalo Miami because um, I think Buffalo literally ran fifty more plays in Miami, so it was <laughs> yeah, like yeah. absolute. It was almost impossible for them to lose the game based on that. But the Chiefs, it was it was eerily similar between like a missed field goal that uh um the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on chris jones that kept the drive going a couple Kelsey more drives Jones. like inside the 20 that they had something like four or five drives that got inside the colts 35 and that that netted three points or something like that it was like they it, it, it's like Sky they to, dropped that punt went inside yeah, five right yeah yeah it was like they had to try to lose the game so you know just just from an interesting standpoint as they're coming in to play Tampa and I, I also think it kind of a fake win for the Colts to be honest but um yeah I, they're still really good I think they're still really good oh absolutely yeah
Did this I mean a tough game? This is this is like probably the biggest test of the what season. Is, right? I, I, we've been over this, but what a schedule to start the season! Yeah. Like it's truly unbelievable. I know as a marquee team, you're going to get some of these games, and another primetime one against Mahomes is just, you know, I think from a however you want to take the revenge or like coming off a bad. I, bad game i think we would have liked if the chiefs won 31 21 you know kind of handily against the colts and didn't have a little little chip on the shoulder after after kind of blowing that one but yeah i can't wait to watch this week yeah it it the really fun thing for me like i just started to dive into some of the stuff in terms of like matchups and whatnot so last year yeah the chiefs were not chiefs like in terms of their offense for a good stretch of the season and that's because a whole swath of the NFL took a look at how Todd Bowles game plan for them in the 2020 Super Bowl said, wow, he ran a bunch of two high. He ran a bunch of cover two, a bunch of cover four, a bunch of cover six. And he effectively kind of got after Mahomes with four, a four man rush and kind of shut the, the chiefs offense down. And so you saw basically the entire NFL do the same thing outside of Gus Bradley, because Gus Bradley has not seen a cover three scheme. He does not want to run <laughs> into the ground. Um, and might not have seen that game. Might not have. He might have skipped that Super Bowl. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. <laughs> but that also means he didn't see every game leading into the Raiders matchups against them as well. So possible. And it it for the most part worked. Now that doesn't mean Kansas City was shut out, but they certainly weren't as good as they were. They trade Tyreek Hill, and I, I was looking it up earlier today. The first three matchups. So they had Arizona. They had. Um, the Chargers, and they had Indy. And those three teams combined were running cover three and cover one 75% of the time. It's like the NFL decided Tyreek was the reason for cover two, or, or at least a two high safety, and that's it. Uh, like, mm-hmm. well, he's gone, let's go back to this. And it's not working because their offense is still looking good. I know there were com- some depressed point totals against the Chargers and against the, the Colts, but if you look behind, you know, under the hood, it's still a really good offense. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I kind of mentioned it earlier, the Bucs are running a ton of too high stuff to a lot of success, and obviously you have the Super Bowl to base that off of. So I'm expecting them to run a ton of, excuse me, I'm sorry, um, a ton of too high stuff, cover two, cover four, cover six. They're going to be the first team to really do that this season, I expect, and it's going to be really interesting to see how the Chiefs respond. It will, and like like I'm excited too to see, like, the Chiefs O line, you know, they're doing work, even though the team's not necessarily running the ball like that with that much success. Those guys are, are it's it's an incredible job they did. They laid a blue a blueprint on how to revamp an offensive line coming off of that, you know, twenty twenty Super Bowl. Um, excited to see the matchup in the trenches on that side, like with with how they can handle the the Buccaneers pass rush, a group that. You know, Shaq Barrett, uh, John, I saw John Ledyard tweeted today, not your typical guy to, to put up bulletin board materials, Shaq Barrett. He, he laid he laid it down for – he's like, they're the same offensive line we beat in the Super Bowl. Wow. Yeah, he's like, I think I think we're about to do work. Like, we're about to yeah. get a bunch of sacks. He even, like, said that. So, But I don't mind that kind of confidence coming from Shaq. I like it, man. He's – Yeah. You know. And the Chiefs' defense has been better, too. Like, just as another thing to keep our eye on going forward. You know, it's not going to – they're not – I don't think they're just going to have to win shootouts like they've they've – I, mean, I feel like they can. I don't think their offense is as scary. Obviously, how can it be without without Tyreek just as that dynamic guy on the um, at the wideout spot? But the Chiefs are good. Like they're good, man. They might not have the top end 
absolute terrifying ceiling that they've had, but they're, they're deep. And I think that, like I said, with the defense actually looking better and more confident, they can win more kind of 21, 17 type games, which we've seen uh, the chargers won, like Josh said, with the, the, the scoring was a little bit um, not quite as indicative of, of how well they moved the ball and how well the ball was moved in general in the game. I just, it, it's just a different chiefs team. It'll be interesting to see the bucks go up against this, this unit actually. Yeah, a couple of emerging stars on the defensive side for them. They got yeah. Bolton, Bolton, the linebacker, second year out of yeah, Missouri. He looks, he looks awesome. Yeah. And then George Karloftis looks like an absolute steal, right? Yeah. Like yeah. He, he really fits along that that D-line well. So, And then, of course, you know, anytime you have an offensive genius versus a defensive-minded head coach, Todd Bowles versus Andy Reid, that's always something I'm really excited to watch. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it certainly, you know, last – or sorry, two years ago, that was just quite the up and down relationship between those two on the sidelines. So, yeah, um, at least in terms of how they manage their pawns per se, whatever you call two people playing chess, I still don't know the rules. Yeah. Chess master, <laughs> chess master, maybe. Yeah. You're in and around it, I think. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like we'll, we can give it to you. Yeah, thanks. You're good. Thanks. Well, thanks. we measured and you just got it. So yeah, there you Check. Go. great. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think the, you know, from the, from my standpoint, I, you know, I mentioned the the kind of the schematic stuff, yeah, you know, and it's another tall task for get key and Hainsey on the inside. Oh, you got yeah. Chris Jones, oh, yeah. so and that's that's going to be a big part of what how well this team's going to do, and the you you had mentioned Nick Bolton and Willie Gay, they, they've got some good linebackers. I don't see the Bucks running the ball well. So are they going to just lean into we got a pass to run? And I think if they do that and you set yourself up in second and seven, sure, I'll go with a two to one run to pass ratio, but you're running on second and I'm sorry, second and three. Um, yeah. You know, if you're running on second and three and third and one, I'm fine with that because you're that's, what Lenny's first built, and 10. that's what Lenny's built for. And we're all in agreement on that. We've been harping on that since we started this podcast for sure. Like dating back yeah. to last year, a little more creative, a little more motion, way more play action. And, and, you know, when, when they started throwing the ball in first downs last year, it paid amid, immediate dividends um, and, and utilized a little more play action. So you, you want to see that. Uh, Aaron Aaron Judge just hit 61 against the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Oh, no, after the Jays know. came back too, right? Yeah. Did they make Two it to the uh, Oh, yeah. that sucks. Uh, but, also, yeah, Josh, what you're saying, it, in second and three, what they can call is infinite, infinitely more than what you can call on second and eight and, and how much of the field the defense has to actually to be worried about at that situation. So, you know, we're getting Evans back. Hopefully Julio's back. It's going to be a different, I would be shocked that they aren't more aggressive because like I said, I know I said that the chiefs offense isn't quite what it was, but it's still good. Tampa has to go into that game knowing they, oh, yeah. knowing they got to score 30, right? They got to get to 31 or 30, whatever the case may be. So, you know, getting those guys back, hopefully we see a more aggressive left, which, and, uh, in a, in a fired up Brady, I'm sure, we'll, I'll say, I'm sure we'll see a fired up Brady. I'll say this. I don't know who's to blame necessarily for the super vanilla, predictable, frustrating play calling so far, but I'll tell you what, Tom Brady, Todd Bowles and of course Byron Left, which will all be to blame if it doesn't start to change this week. Because they'll all have had an ample opportunity to voice their concerns and make a concerted effort to change the direction of how they're gonna gonna game plan for this game. So if you ask me, they're all to blame if it doesn't start to change and start to change in a hurry. Um, 
But if the Bucks do manage to come out, come away with a home, their first home victory of the season versus Kansas City Chiefs, and they're sitting at three and one, starting to get these receivers back healthy, like, damn, that would be something. Uh, Julio was limited but practiced today. Donovan Smith was limited but practiced, and the same goes for Chris Godwin. Most concerned about Godwin. I don't want to mess with that with him if he's not one hundred percent. Curious with the whole. Uh, the report that came out that that Julio Jones has a um, what is it a partially torn PCL? I know guy like Rondé Barber's played a whole season with a torn, fully torn PCL, I think. Or Brady did it last PCL. year. Oh, was that his PCL? Yeah, uh, was it his PCL or his MCL? I think it was it was a bigger one than the PCL. The PCL is kind of like that hidden one, like along the back. That might have then it might have <laughs> been the MCL. <laughs> the one in the back, yeah. Yeah, not, a, not on the side of the medical podcast. Oh my god, that's hilarious! Sure is. But All right, doesn't it? Sorry, doesn't it feel like the Bucks need a, <clears throat> a, a one o'clock game against uh, Atlanta at some point here? Like, oh, yeah, that, that's coming out. I know, but you get the you get the big one against Dallas to start off, like kick off the the primetime season kind of thing. Then you have the the struggles against New Orleans on the road. That's been you know that's been documented. Then you're the game of the. The, the you know that 425 game and then the, another Sunday nighter against one of the best teams it's that's just a lot that's a big start to the season like it's yeah. not as it's more just something like like a bit of a food for thought kind of thing because it's hard to get up for every single game I think and that's like a heavy first four games it really is yeah. I think we discussed it when we went over the schedule I think in August but it, it's coming to fruition I feel like so we'll, we'll, we'll see how they see how they respond on Sunday. I don't know about for the Bucks, but I, I'm assuming Collins with me. I would love a one o'clock game as somebody yeah. who covers the team and has to write articles following the game, oh, yeah, and then has to go to work on Monday. Yeah, I would absolutely love a one love o'clock a game because I then imagine. I can get to bed before you know four in the morning. Oh my god! I, I think I think four o'clock is the favorite window for me. I've learned because one o'clock there's too many games on that I want to watch. Yeah. Um, I get to see all the others really play that Sunday ticket. And then at four, I can zero in and then, you know, the night game. So I'm with, I'm, I agree with you to a certain extent, Josh, but four gives me enough time to write something after and uh, enjoy those one o'clock games. Um, Does anyone else have any final thoughts on this upcoming matchup, anything to do with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or any final thoughts as it relates to anything in the NFL right now? Cause I feel like I robbed Scott of a chance to do so last week. So he's got his hand up. No, there's lots of stuff to talk about across the league. I mean, the Bears are an absolute joke. The, the Bears <laughs> playing the Giants both at 2-1 and one is the biggest pillow fight of all time. I can't believe that <laughs> Vegas actually put out a line and had to favor one of these teams. That's unbelievable. Uh, like Chicago, In Dayball, I believe, buddy. Oh, my God. Dude, he was pretty rough, actually, on Monday as well. He, ridiculous time, time management at the end of the game against Dallas. But I do believe... I like the Giants in that game if I had to pick one. Vegas, the season their season could be over on Sunday. If they lose to, to Danger Us, like that's it, right? You can't <laughs> yeah. okay. you're done. That's it. Danger Witch. While you're on Vegas, I gotta tell you guys, I had an eight dollar ticket last Sunday. Okay. I think it was like an eight legger, and I was going for like so anyway. I had I had the Colts over the Chiefs, I had the Dolphins over the Bills, I had the Broncos over the Niners, and all I needed was the Raiders to beat the Titans for whatever that is. Scotty, yeah. the math, pretty good. And it didn't happen. Jump. Didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. You, so yeah, I hate the Raiders. 
I hate the Raiders. Well, That's fair more. enough. Yeah. <laughs> they, they lost by two, but I feel like they were like never kind of in the game. Uh, but like that's you can't go 0 4. You certainly can't start the season 0 4 in that division. They are favored in this game against Denver, but who knows? Um, just shocking they can't put up points. I, I just I don't understand that. Yeah, I don't. If Carr can play well, he, then he looks like shit. He's one of those ones to me. I, yeah. I feel like I get to see him, or I've seen him usually in the times that he does play well. So I have like a bit of a skewed perception. Same. I think he's pretty good, but then I I he, call he, him good Kirk Cousins all the time. And yeah, yeah. oh oh, there there's a thing on Twitter like the Kirkulian scale, and he's on there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's one and a half Kirk. Yeah, I think it is. yeah, and Tua just got added to the scale, so he's in there now. Yeah. I, I'm I'm actually pretty happy with with Vegas because Car Car helped me at a um I had a three legger on on props and uh and one of them was I took the over on him for one and a half passing touchdowns and he helped oh, me. Oh, there you go. There yeah, you go. so I was pretty happy about that. I got a ten times boost on that one. That's lovely, Scott. While you're critiquing a team in in the AFC West, though, Chargers are one and two, and and Joey Bosa having to have core muscle surgery. I know. Dude, everyone's Cursed. gone. Rash- Rashawn Slater. Yeah. Rashawn Slater. Yeah. Rashawn Slater. Right. Yeah, Storm Casey Jackson. Like, literally, I that was my favorite. Like, I literally was like, okay, that's even though the AFC West is an unreal. I was like. That team is just look at the roster. It's so good, but everyone's gone. It's completely different. I had, I had them winning the West, right? Yeah, when same. I did my preseason predictions. Mm-hmm. And uh Storm Norton had 23 pass pass sets, uh or pass blocking sets, and he lost I can't remember the number, but it was like 14 of them. Like oh just got owned. He is not number. an NFL tackle, and they've got him protecting. Justin Herbert's blind side with yeah. a what what is it broken rib cartilage? Yeah, yeah, fractured rib cartilage. That is so scary. Why he like everything and like the fact that he had no clue. What was that? That was awful. That was both Herbert playing in the fourth quarter. Yeah, makes no sense. Thirty-eight ten or whatever it was. Yeah. Josh, Staley, I agree. I know. Staley was like, this- yeah, he, he he wanted to be in there, like, and he felt good. And then they asked Herbert, and he's like, I just didn't want to quit on my team. It's like, somebody save this kid from himself. Yeah. Oh, hey, dude, we're cool if you quit in this particular <laughs> game. Like, holy shit. It was unbelievable. It was – I, I had to, like, keep rechecking the TV. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. They, but like at listen, the same just, time, at the same time, if somehow he ended up winning that game, would we even be saying that? Would we no, have been like it was 38-10? Why'd they keep him in there? Well, we wouldn't be saying if it if that wasn't the score, which it was. Yeah, it's relevant. No, and, I mean, I mean, no, I mean like if he was if somehow he still was able to win that game, because yeah, I still would have thought it was a mistake. I still would have thought it was a mistake, but I wouldn't have yeah. I would there was no chance because Storm that. Norton was protecting his blind side at that point. <laughs> yeah. and that, so many, it wasn't going to happen. They're like they're they're playing Houston this week, and obviously Houston's terrible. But the Chargers are decimated. They're only a five point favorite, and you know they could lose. If they're one and three, then good luck. Like the AFC is pretty deep, and I know you have that extra game in the regular season, which which would benefit the Chargers to get healthy and try to make more of a a late season push or whatever. Uh, and not that you're completely out of it, but you're gonna have to really leapfrog some good teams. And if you start the season one and three, that's just it's just hard to do, right? You got to get to ten or eleven wins, and it's if you're one and three, that's tough. And 
I hate it. I want them to be good. It's Everybody Josh, does. Yeah, Josh said curse franchise earlier, and like couldn't couldn't agree yeah. more. That's one. I'm. That's a game I'm weirdly interested in, just for the stakes of it from from a Charger standpoint. And Houston's going to be competitive in that game. Yeah, I think so. Jalen Petrie looks legit. They're weirdly feisty. I don't. Petrie is legit, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope low key, low key. The game of the week, other than our Bucks and the Chiefs, it's got to be Eagles Jags, right? Oh. Yeah, Bills Ravens might have Bills oh, Ravens yeah. might have something to say about it, but Jags Jags Eagles is is awesome. That's it's gonna be unreal. That's gonna be a good one. Uh, I'm I'm very much enjoying the fact that uh, Trayvon Walker is is performing a lot better than most yeah. thought he would I'm when the Jags it. took him first overall. Yeah. and uh, he, he's 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 gonna be a like just with that, that physical pro- profile, you're gonna. Yeah. He's going to be a baller, and I had him a lot higher than most, and I was pretty excited to see him uh, see him do well so far. Just yeah. nice, and to he see still him hasn't well. figured shit out either. That's the no. thing is he's doing all he this did. not knowing what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, instinct and ability, right? Yeah. Yep. He became an underdog as the first as soon as he was picked first. He became oh, yeah. an underdog, oh, right? Yeah. Because everyone's just waiting to pounce on him. That's how it works. So I'm also very happy for him. Um, and I'm also happy for Saquon Barkley and his redemption tour because I'm a yeah. big Saquon guy and I love it's just it's just an incredible like to have a running back who's that entertaining just with the ball in his hands is something the mm-hmm. league's been missing for it's just special it's special the way he runs yeah. I love it he's awesome um, but anyway my computer is about to die and I'm not prepared <laughs> to bend all the way down to pick up the charger and plug it in so yeah. um, spoken like a true married man yes yeah. yes. So anyway, Josh, you got any articles coming out this week or anything, anything, any work we should um, keep our eyes peeled for? I put out most of my articles already. I may have a YouTube film room coming up in the next 24 to 48 hours. Um, I just kind of got to figure out what I'm going to hone in on. But now I did one on the play calling. I did a film room on that. I did a film room on, what did I do? Logan Hall. Yep. Um, so I did one on him. I, I was very proud of some of the verbiage I put into that one. <laughs> It's feeling very creative when I wrote it. Um, <laughs> I and then I did I did do a little bit on, on the Bucks coverage scheme. So all of that you can find on Pewter Report. Um, but, yeah, I think I may do a YouTube uh, film room here this evening. The more the better, buddy. The more the better. We love it. I could consume your work all day long. Appreciate um, that. Yeah, man. And I'll be back on my writing game this week. So make sure you check out si.com slash Buccaneers. To find all of that good stuff. And yes, we will continue to tackle the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coverage together. Uh, the fantastic four that we are through our various <laughs> mediums. So anyway, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you like and subscribe to the Bucks Banter YouTube channel, please. Helps us out a lot. I hope you have a great rest of your week, especially, again, those who are going to be affected by the hurricane. Please stay safe. And uh, we look forward to ch- talking with you again next week, hopefully after the Buccaneers are 3-1. and one in what will be a Super Bowl rematch. Take care. Be well. Go Bucks.